Next week, we're beginning a series that's going to take us through the, to the Christmas season called The Miracles of Jesus, God's Power to Change Our Lives. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that series. But before we get there, I wanted to uh, just take the opportunity to address, I guess, what is a really big change that's going to take place this week in the life of our nation. Uh, many of you are aware that on October 17th, that's this Wednesday, marijuana is legal to purchase and to use in Canada. Second country in the world to legalize marijuana. So this is a big change. Uh, we live in an age of change. That's kind of, the only thing that you can kind of really expect is change. I didn't know it used to be that way. In fact, throughout most of human history, um, up until maybe the last hundred years, if you ask someone, hey, what do you think your grandkids' life is going to be like? People would say, well, probably like my life. If you ask me today, hey, Rusty, what do you think your grandkids' life is going to be like? I'd be like, I have no idea, but I know it ain't going to be anything like my life. It's going to be radically different because we just live in this age of change and, and all of us, regardless of how long we've lived, we've seen a lot of change um, in our lives. Um, some of you, you back, you were in horse and buggy, any horse and buggy people here? No. Maybe, maybe none of you left. But some, you can remember back before TVs, right? Or maybe back before cell phones, when you actually had those phones with the like little holes in the disc, and you actually had to put your finger in that hole and you had to turn that disc for every single... And some of you kids are like, what? That's just crazy. And, uh, and then if your finger slipped out, you had to start all over again. And that was so frustrating. Um, you remember the day when you actually paid for stuff with cash or with check and now it's all just this card and, and now you just tap it. You just wave it anywhere near and it beeps and it takes your money. And this last week I was at... Um, I think it was the co-op here in town. There was just a sweet old lady that was trying to pay, pay there with her card, and she just could not figure out how to do that. And I'm sitting back there, and it's taking a long time, and I'm going, please, lady. Drive me crazy. And then finally the cashier came around and, and helped her navigate that, complete the purchase. And, and then it struck me, can you imagine the sort of change this woman has seen in her life? Like, have some, have some sympathy for the lady. Have some compassion for this woman, what she's had to change over the course of her life. But it's, so we've all, we've all seen that in our own lives. It's not just technology uh, change, it's, it's, it's change in morality and change in ethics that we've seen year by year, decade by decade uh, with regards to marriage, you know, definition of marriage, kind of acceptable practices of sexuality, expressions of sexuality, the hot topic is gender. What is gender? Changes in gender. And so all these changes that are happening, not just technologically, but with respect to morality and ethics, and that pace of change is getting faster and faster. I don't know what next year is going to be like, what it's going to bring, but there's going to be some really different stuff next year. And so this is the world we live in, and change is challenging, isn't it? It's hard. You gotta reassess things when, when, when there's change. You gotta ask new questions you never asked before. Uh, you face new dilemmas. You gotta navigate new waters. And that's certainly true for society. And so with respect to the issue of marijuana, okay, um, the question we're gonna ask this morning is, is, is puff or, not puff and pass, just so you know, it's, it's puff or pass, to be clear. 
But with respect to the issue of marijuana, that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. Society is going to have to navigate these changes. It's already starting to anticipate that. What does it look like to do this appropriately in society? And so if you come in from work or whatever in the city, you come up Route 90, Highway 7 back to Stonewall, you've probably seen the big billboard up there put up by the government of Manitoba. It's still illegal to smoke weed in public in Manitoba. It says something like that. And I've seen all these little adverts out there trying to coach people as we navigate what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what's proper, what's improper. And so that's true for society, but that's certainly true for us as Christians too. Our question isn't necessarily what is appropriate, it's, it's how do we think and act biblically on this issue? How do we think and act biblically? Uh, or to put it more crassly, can a Christian smoke weed? Or not? Can we puff or do we have to pass? This is the question that we're going to have to confront. And so as this legalization days have been coming, I've been kind of anticipating pastorally, maybe getting some questions, being in certain circumstances, and I'm thinking this through in a way I never had to before, okay? And I thought, you know what? As we approach this day, it may be good for us all as just a community of Jesus followers to just have to wrestle with this issue proactively instead of reactively. So that's what I want to do this morning. And I know there's many of you here, you're going, I get it. I'm sure some people need to hear this. But, I, you know, I'm not planning on rushing out on Wednesday and purchasing weed, and I have no intention of ever entertaining that sort of thing. Uh, I don't, don't turn off your mind here, because what we're going to find is, in order to get to a, a good answer, biblical answer on this question, we're going to have to discover biblical principles that, we will, that, that are useful to apply in all circumstances of life to guide us. And so whether it's marijuana or something else, I think we're all going to come away with good principles that will help us live biblically. Uh, so, can a Christian smoke weed? Now, the answer used to be really easy. It used to be an easy no because we could say it's illegal. And you know, Paul said in Romans chapter 13 that God has given the governing authorities authority, so Christians have to obey the law. Unless the law conflicts with the higher law of God, Christians have to obey the law of the land. And it's illegal. So, yeah, no. Because. What's illegal then becomes immoral to, do, to go against the law. But when you don't have that, so it used to be an easy kind of no. But that, that's not there anymore. It's legal. So the question is, is it moral? Is it moral? What does the Bible have to say? What does the Bible have to say? I picked up my big, thick, it's the biggest book in my, weighs 10 pounds in my office. It's, it's, a, it's called a concordance. It has every single word categorized in the whole Bible. And you can just turn to, so I turn to M. M-A-R-I. And you know what I didn't find? An entry for in my Bible? Marijuana. Did you know that? The word marijuana is not in the Bible. So there is no, there's, there's no place where it says, thou shalt not smoke marijuana. So Go have fun, guys. See ya. See you next week. Go have fun. We're going to have munchies here next week for everybody. Just kidding. <laughs> doesn't say anywhere, hey, it's permissible to smoke marijuana. It just doesn't go there. And, and so for some people, they would look at that and go, okay, well, is there any help here whatsoever? Am I on my own? This is what we have to understand if we're going to live and act biblically. We have to understand what the Christian faith is and what it isn't. 
and I think many, even, even Christians, I think, kind of trip up here. The gospel does not give us a set of rules to keep, but a set of tools to use. That's a really important point. The gospel is not, the Christian faith, the good news of Jesus is not a set of rules. Like Jesus came and said, you had some rules, but now I'm giving you better rules. That's not what the good news of Jesus is. It's not just a different set of do's and don'ts, okay? The Christian faith, the gospel, is is Jesus giving us a set of tools to live well, to live wisely and productively in the world. I think Jesus kind of alludes to that. We find this in Matthew chapter 22, when an expert in the Jewish law, he knew his laws really good, and he came and he put this question to Jesus. Verse 36, he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, now this is a very well-known passage, many of you know this well. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he added this, and this is important. All the law and the prophets. Now, that's just a statement. That's, that's how they referred to the Old Testament. The law and the prophets. Okay? All the law and the prophets hang or flow out of or proceed from these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says everything flows from those two loves. Paul puts it this way, Romans chapter 13, verses 8. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, and then he lists some of them you'll recognize as as coming from the Ten Commandments. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command or law there might be, really are all summed up, really are all forms of one law, okay? Which is love your neighbor as yourself. For love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. In other words, he says no law that's been given is is an arbitrary decision of of God. You know, when I say to my daughters, bedtime's 8. But dad, it's 8.30. No, bedtime is 8. But why can't I stay up to 8? Because I said bedtime is 8. Or, dad, can I have a, you already had one one can of pop. Only one can of pop a week. You cannot have another. But why, dad, why can't I have a second? Because the rule is one can of pop. Which is not a rule in our house. Like, we just, we put it intravenously into our (laughs) bodies. It's the elixir of the God. No, it's just, it's, um, okay, that's not what the laws are, Jesus or Paul says. He says, there are laws, there are rules for us to keep. I mean, we shall not steal and we shall not murder. Why? Because you cannot love your neighbor and steal from your neighbor. They're inherently incompatible. You can't love your neighbor and murder your neighbor. You can't do it. It's inherently incompatible. Everything Jesus and Paul says we do ought to flow, flows from love for God and love for others. And if we could do that perfectly, we wouldn't need any other instruction. That's what Jesus says. That's it. So Jeremiah, prophet in the Old Testament, part of the people of God, the Israelites. So he lived at a time when God related to his people through a set of laws, you know, that God had given to Moses. 
But then God came to Jeremiah and, and spoke about a new thing God was gonna do in the future, a new, re, a new sort of relationship he was gonna have with his people. We find it in the book of Jeremiah, chapter um, 31, verses 33, 34. Uh, the Lord says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their, heart, in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. In other words, God is saying, there's a time that's coming and I'm gonna do something. And when I do that, you're not gonna need this list of do's and don'ts because I'm gonna take those laws that were written on stone externally and I'm gonna embed them in your very heart. So that's your heart. And it's gonna flow and people aren't gonna be... In, instructed in how they have to know God or obey because that's going to be something that's embedded in their heart. It's going to flow from within them. Now, of course, we, as Jeremiah, didn't know what that was all going to look like, but we know. We know what God's plan was. He sent to send Jesus into the world. And Jesus overcame the power of our sin and our guilt. And he made a way for us to enter a new, better relationship with God. And so Jesus tells us when we put our trust in him and what he has done for us, that God actually transforms our hearts. He gives us new hearts. He gives us a new spirit. We won't look at it, but the, the prophet Ezekiel there, around the same time as Jeremiah, God spoke to Ezekiel and he said that thing. He said, the day is coming when I'm gonna put a new heart in them and I'm gonna give them a new spirit. It's not gonna be a heart of stone. It's gonna be a heart of flesh, a beating heart. And it was, those were all ways of saying that God was going to transform our hearts so that uh, his law would just be embedded in us. And this is what Jesus was getting at when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the heart of a Christian. It's not a list of rules. It's those tools. Love God. Totally. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else has to flow from that. We won't be able to um, act rightly in the world if we just think it's a bunch of, our, our faith is a bunch of lists of, of do's and don'ts. That's not what it is. The Christian faith is not a set of laws. It's a set of loves. So we got to look at everything, every issue, including this one, marijuana, through the lens of those two loves. And so as we do that, that's what we're going to do in, in, the, in the time we have together. And um, what I'm going to give you as we look at what, what it means to love one another and love God on this issue, um, I'm going to give you four questions. And if you have paper and, and pen, I encourage you to write these four questions down. Because these are four questions that um, I think we can take. And if we can apply these four questions to any situation in life, we can discern how to think and act biblically in every area. Okay, so this is way beyond marijuana, but we're going to kind of apply it to marijuana, but, but it goes beyond. So the first tool we're given, but it's the second one Jesus referred to, but it's the first we're going to look at is love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor, Paul said. So our actions always have consequences beyond ourselves. Sometimes we don't, we say it doesn't, but it does because our actions, if they don't directly affect someone else, our actions change us, make us different people, and we affect other people. Our, our actions always have consequences beyond ourselves. And so Paul was talking about 
this interaction between people and, and the consequences of decisions and actions. And we find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. So he's talking in the context of relationships with others. He says this. Now he's quoting what the Corinthians are saying. He's, he's trying to correct this, this fresh group of Christians. They're thinking. Uh, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others as well. Essentially, what Paul is saying to them, what he's saying to us, is the right question isn't, is it permissible? That's not, that is never the right question. Is it permissible? He's saying the right question is, is it productive? Is it helpful? Does it help or does it hinder you loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving others as yourself? Does it hinder or does it help? So the first question I want to suggest to you is this. Could this, what I'm doing, influence someone else away from God and away from God's will? Will it influence someone away from God? Now, um, Paul goes on there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 30, um, 32. He goes on to say, Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God. In other words, anybody. Don't, don't, don't put a stumbling block that's going to trip up anybody. Okay? From coming to know God and to know his will. Um, in other words, don't do anything that's going to lead someone into sin, into a destructive path for them. You know, even if we have freedom and strength in ourselves in a, in a certain area and, and I exercise my freedom, um, I still have to consider what are the consequences of me exercising my freedom on those around me? What are the consequences? Could, um, could it be harmful to another? And so, for instance, on, on the issue of drinking, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've said it before, I have the occasional glass of wine. I have the occasional beer. I've had to really sort through in my, for myself the wanting to be faithful and, and, and not to be able to influence anyone in a negative way. How I do that well. And I had to draw some lines and I have to draw some boundaries about how I can exercise my freedom so as not to hinder anybody else. And I have to ask myself the question, does it encourage people towards unproductive behavior, behavior or, or does it affirm them in the unproductive behavior that they're engaged in? And if the answer is yes, then, then I can't exercise the freedom that I have because that's not loving to another. That harms another. Now, full disclosure, I've never smoked marijuana. Um, I don't say that to, I only say that to say like I, I'm not speaking from experience on this issue in my own life. And I know some of you, many of you are like me and, and, and many aren't. Um, but uh, I just remember year by year in Blind River where I used to pastor before coming here. Every, one Sunday every year we had this ministry called Teen Challenge come from Sault Ste. Marie and it was primarily a group of young guys uh, who were in this program because they had gotten out of control and, and destructive normally with substances and so they were looking for help. And so this, they came to this center, and, and, and with the help of God, their lives were being transformed. And every year, these guys came to church, and they shared their stories. And, and what struck me, year after year after year, hearing dozens of these guys, almost every single one of them, without fail, said that their problems began with the puff. 
Almost everyone. That's where it started. And then the director of the ministry, he, he, he kind of addressed the congregation and he said, guys, he said, you're gonna, out, out in the world, you're gonna hear a whole bunch of stuff. You're gonna hear different opinions. Hey, some people got agendas. You're gonna hear different things. But he says, hey, in my experience, there is no safe way to do this. Marijuana is dangerous. Mara, this is a guy, this is what he does for a living. He works with these guys. He's as close to the issue as you can get. He says, this is dangerous. And he's seen all the destructive consequences of that in the lives of, of, of young people and, and others. Um, so, you know, a lot of people turn to marijuana and other things to self-medicate, right? To escape their problems. We're going to talk a bit uh, more about that. And our responsibility as Christians is to point people to Jesus as the answer to their problems. As the meter of their needs. That's, that's your job as a witness of Jesus. It's to be a pointer to Jesus Christ as, as, as the healer for those around you. That's our job. And so we have to ask ourselves, hey, can I, in smoking marijuana, or you can put, put in, insert whatever you want in there, um, in, in doing that, could I influence someone else away from God and away from God's will? So that's the first question, okay? The second question is kind of related. Could this cause unnecessary damage to an important relationship? Could it cause unnecessary damage to an important relationship? Because a relationship always has at least two people, right? That's what a relationship is. You get any two people together, even though they're like-minded in a lot of ways, there's differing convictions at different points. I mean, even if you've got a great marriage and you're really on the same page, you're even going to find that even in, in your marriage, two people, there's going to be some different convictions, maybe very strongly held convictions there. Maybe, you know, maybe one person in the relationship says, I think it's, has the liquor cabinet there, and maybe they even use alcohol in a very responsible way, and but they, they got that spot, and then the other person in the relationship says, I'm just not comfortable with that, because, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't know what signal it sends to the kids, and I just, I really don't want that stuff in my, in my house. I just feel really strongly about that. So what do you do if you're in that position, right? Or, or, or maybe, or, or maybe one, one person in a relationship, relationship says, I'm just not really comfortable with, with, with spending money over here on this. I just don't think, that's a, I don't think that's a good productive thing. I think that's not wise. I think it's unhealthy. And, and so you have these differing convictions in, in any relationship, but even in the marriage relationship. So what do you do when you're in that, in that position? Well, you say the relationship is more important Right? I, I, if I need to lay down something for the good of my relationship, for the health of my relationship, then I need to lay it down. Because that's what it means to love one another. Right? To not unnecessarily grieve someone you love. So for the sake of the relationship, not involve myself in this. In other words, marriage over marijuana. Marriage over marijuana. Marriage over whatever. Because we don't want to bring harm to anyone. We certainly don't want to bring harm to a, a relationship like a relationship like that. So that's the second question. Could this cause unnecessary damage to an important relationship? If so, if you say yes, then, then say no. Okay? So love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Now think of that for a second. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. 
What does that mean? What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your mind? We're going to look at that, and, and we're going to look at these two final questions. And as we look at these questions, I think we might begin to see where the whole issue of marijuana might become more problematic. The third question is this. Am I trying to find in this, in this thing, am I trying to find in marijuana what is actually to be found in God? Am I turning to this thing to find something I should be turning to God to find? Because I think many people, they turn to marijuana or other substances. I mean, hey, maybe it's food for some people. Many people turn to marijuana to escape their problems, to escape their reality, the hardships, the pain, the stress, the anxiety, whatever it is, right? And, and then that thing becomes a substitute for God. Many religious systems over the years, and even today, like you go into Peru, and, and these, and these um, religious systems, maybe not super well developed, they've got their own practices. You know what you're going to find, and I'm sure you've found in a lot of the places you've gone, Danny, is what do a lot of these priests and other religious systems use in their practices? Drugs, trances, drugs, hallucinogenics, things that alter the mind, very prevalent in religious systems of all sorts, back in the day too. In fact, if you go to, to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, now Paul's going to rattle off a list of things that Christians <laughs> ought not to participate in because they don't flow from love for God and love for one another, right? He says the acts of the flesh or kind of our sinful nature, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry. And then this interesting word, sorcery. Your Bible might say witchcraft. Now, you hear that word and you, you, you think of um, the occult or something like that. You know what that Greek word is? It's this word, pharmakeia. Now, does that ring a bell? What do you think word, what word do you think comes from pharmakeia? Pharmacy, right? Pharmacy. So, and what is pharmacy? Pharmacy is, is it's all about drugs. Now, that's not, not to say that we, we don't use any drugs to help us. Even Jesus said, the sick need a doctor, right? He's not saying, don't, don't use good medicine to, to find healing. Um, what do you... The, the reason that this word became associated with sorcery was because a lot of the religious practices of the day involved drugs, mind-altering drugs, right, that people would use to try to escape their problems to try to induce certain emotional states within them, right? It was an escape for a period of time. The way people use alcohol, right? When people abuse alcohol, man, the, the boss is just, he's riding me hard at work and my wife's riding me hard at home and, and the financial stress and I'm, 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 I'm so anxious and so you, what do you do? You go to the bar and you have too many. Why? To forget your problems, right? To run away, to escape, to numb the pain, whatever it is. And that's what this word refers to, okay? The use of drugs for that purpose, to become a God substitute. Paul kind of alludes to that in Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 18, when he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. 
Understand what the Lord's will is. That's what we're trying to do here. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, your Bible might say reckless actions. Okay, what is debauchery? Reckless behavior. Okay, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless behavior. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And he'll go on to describe being filled with the Spirit. He talks about singing songs out of joy in your heart to one another. And it's kind of interesting. But he's holding up these two things side by side being drunk and being filled with the Spirit, as if there's a bit of a commonality. You can turn to one or you can turn to other, the other to, to find what it is you're looking for. He says, don't turn to the substance which, because it leads to reckless actions. It's not productive. You get an escape for a little bit, but it's not actually healthy. It doesn't lead somewhere productive. It makes problems worse, he says. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the one who can truly give us lasting peace, happiness, relieve us from our anxiety, give us joy, give us healing, whatever it is. So back in Galatians 5, after Paul giving us a list of, hey, don't do this, don't do that, sorcery, right after that, he gives us another list. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. But have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? Where does that come from? That comes from the Spirit of God, Many people self-medicate, right, to escape as a solution to their problems. The, 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 and the problem of that is it actually makes your problems worse. You, you maybe get a little reprieve, but it, com- it compounds your, your problems. Self-medicating thwarts maturity because you escape the tough things in your life instead of dealing with them with God's help and truly overcoming them in, in, a, in, in a lasting, productive way that's good for you and everyone around you. So, you know, I think a lot of people, when they turn to marijuana, maybe for most, they turn to marijuana to find that escape. To find that peace, to find that rest, to forget their problems. God says, that's me. That's me. I provide those things fully and lastingly. And so to love God with your mind I think means to, in part, to go to him um, and to find in him all that we need. Not to escape reality, but to find it in God. Find a new reality in God. Okay, so that's the third question. Am I trying to find in this what is actually found in God? The last question, will this decrease my alertness and availability to God? Will this decrease my alertness and availability to God? To love God with all your mind means also, I think, that we want to give God total influence and total control over us. So we're saying, you have total sway over me. Okay, you rule up in my head, my thoughts. Many passages, um, we won't go there, but many passages in the Bible talk about the need to be alert, aware, sober-minded is a word you hear a fair bit. Be sober-minded. Be attentive to reality. Be sharp. Be looking around you for opportunities 
Right, that's what Paul said. Hey, the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity that God gives you. You need to be in tune with God's spirit. You need to be listening and alert and aware. You need to be clear in your mind. The thing with marijuana is it's a mind-altering drug. It, 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 it alters reality or takes you away from reality. So being high is like being drunk, I guess, in that respect, right? When, when you're high or when you're drunk, you're really of no, you're, you're not productive. You're really of no use. It's like you're offline. God's calling you and he's just getting a busy signal. There's nothing there. There cannot be a connection. There cannot be communication. When, so let me ask you a question. When someone is under the influence of marijuana, um, is their mind more sharp or more dull? Anyone been there? Come on, some of you know from experience. If you know from experience, let us know. Is it more sharp or more dull? Oh, see, that's good. Some of you are like, hey, I had no shame. I used, to, I used to be there. Dull. Is that what you said, Monica? Dull. Makes your mind more dull? And hungry? Have you been there? Yeah? Okay. Does it make your sh- mind more sharp or more dull? Monica says dull. Uh, does it make your mind faster or slower? Does it make your body faster or slower? Slower. Does it make you more alert or less alert? Does it make you more productive or less productive? Less productive. I mean, you can just kind of go down the list, right? Um, and, and I think this is where this might differ from coffee because you're, you're going to get questions and I've got questions. Well, what's the difference between that and coffee? You say, Rusty, that you need coffee to get through the day. You, you, you can't do anything with three cups of coffee. Like, well, I don't know that coffee alters my reality. It makes me happy, I suppose, I guess in some ways. But I don't think it makes my mind more dull. I don't think it makes me more slow. I don't think it makes me less productive. I don't make, think it like, makes me less sharp. It's coffee. Well, what's the difference between that and alcohol? Well, yeah, alcohol, you know, if you take it in excess, it, it becomes mind-altering. If you have too much of it, it alters your mind, right? It dullens your mind when you have too much. That's why the Bible says don't get drunk. Why, why is that a rule? Why, God? Because it makes you dull. You're not available to me. You're offline. The Bible calls that sin. When your mind is not under God's influence. So marijuana, it's... it's mind-altering when you smoke it. I guess when maybe you take it in other forms. They're going to come up with all, all sorts of ways to do this. And you're going to have, all, some of you going to have all sorts of questions about this afterward. This isn't going to answer all your questions. Um, and, and there's medicinal marijuana, and I'm not even talking about that. That's a, that's a related but a different question, using it for debilitating pain. I, I'm really just talking about recreational use here. Um, but, but just kind of reading a bit this week about the experts, they say cannabis is a psychoactive substance that has significant cognitive effects, all negative. Schizophrenia, paranoia, a whole host of things, okay? Has significant cognitive effects and it leads to neuropsychological deficit. Right? Neuropsychological deficit. In other words, it dulls your mind. It harms your mind. It makes you less productive. It makes you less aware of reality, less attentive to God and the opportunities around you. 
Um, so you, I'm just not sure that you can be under the influence of marijuana and at the same time be under the influence of God. And I think that's what it means to love the Lord your God with all your mind. Paul says it this way. Similar words to what he said in chapter 10, but he says in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, he says, <clears throat> I have the right to do everything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything you say, but I will not be mastered by anything. Like what Paul is saying is, I'm not going to let anything take control over my mind or my body other than the Spirit of God. My mind will have no master but God. A few verses later, verse 19, he talks about how our, talks about how our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are, a, we are a home for the Spirit of God to dwell in our mind, in our body, that he might reign in our mind. So I'm not sure you can be under the influence of, of, of marijuana and at the same time be under the influence of God to be available to God when he comes and ca- calling to speak. I, I, maybe a more simple test for me is what, just what I guess I call the Jesus test. It's just, can I see Jesus doing this? Right? Like, we're told in 1 John, if you want to abide in him, you ought to walk as he walked. That's what it means to be a Christian, right? Christian. Disciple. To be made like the master. So I just have the simple Jesus test. I'm trying to picture high Jesus. Try to picture high Jesus. Sitting on a couch somewhere. Some of his guys. Maybe they're all smoking up. I don't know. And like much of Jesus' ministry, it was just, he had these encounters with people. They weren't planned. All of a sudden, someone comes up to Jesus. Jesus, Lord, I need, this is happening. Or there's some opportunity Jesus comes across. Someone who's not well. Someone bursts through the door as Jesus is token up. Lord, my, my, my child is sick. Come, I need you. What? Someone there? I, so I, am I doing this right, Monica? Am <laughs> I doing it right? Okay. God's changed Monica's life. She's got a cool story. So I'm trying to picture that, and I'm thinking, you know what? You know why Jesus wouldn't do it? You know why Jesus would not do it? Because it would make him dull. He would not be available to take advantage of every opportunity. And Paul says, take advantage of every opportunity you're given. You're not available. You're not ready to be used. You are under the influence of something other than God. That's the Jesus test. Walk as he walked. So at the end of the day, the question is not, again, is it permissible? I think the question is, is it productive? Is it productive. You can put in, you, you, you can apply that to any situation. Does it contribute to a productive life? Does it help me love God with all my heart, mind, and strength? Or does it, and, and, and love one another? Or does it hinder that? That's the question, okay? So just take those four questions. Um, maybe you had, wrote them down. If, if you want to copy those questions, you can kind of call or we can, we can make them available somewhere. But those questions, could this influence someone away from God and his will? Could this cause unnecessary damage to an important relationship? 
Am I trying to find in this what is actually found in God? Will this decrease my alertness and availability to God? If the answer to any of those four questions on any matter is yes, then the Christian says, no. No. No, I want to love God with all my mind, my heart. I want to love one another. Um, So all those things considered, given the choice between puff or pass, the Christian who wants to love God with all their mind, the Christian who wants to love their neighbor as themselves, I think probably is just gonna, I know what I come to when I go through that, it's pass. Pass. And if you're here this morning and you've chosen puff, you wanna talk more about it, hey, let's talk more about it. You can come and talk with me. Or if you've chosen puff and you just want some help to choose pass, great. Let's talk about that too. You can come and speak with me and you the other pastors, we'd be happy to try to help. Um, so anyway, I, I hope that those four questions are, are gonna help you. Again, as I hope you see that they're much bigger than the issue of marijuana. They're, they're questions we can put to any situation in life that will help us to think and act biblically. So, bringing this home here. Um, this is the question I want you to consider. Is there anything in your life that is hindering you from fully loving God and loving others? Because this, okay, this goes beyond marijuana, right? Is there anything in your life that is hindering you, instead of helping you, from loving God and loving others? That's the question I want you to take home with you. And I want you to lay that question before God. Don't just have a conversation with yourself. Have a conversation with God about that. And I think that, why, why don't we just begin that now as we kind of bring this to an end. The worship team is going to come up here. They're going to lead us a bit now. But uh, I just invite you to Bow your head there, close your eyes, and just talk to God. And um, why don't you just begin by telling God uh, how thankful you are for his love for you. You The love that caused him to send his son to overcome the power and the penalty of your sin and overcome your guilt and overcome death and bring you into fellowship with him, give you you new life. Just take a moment to thank, uh, to thank God. Just tell, tell God, God, I, I want to love you with all of my heart and with all of my mind. I want to love those you've placed around me. Just, if that's what you want, just tell him that. I really want to have this sort of love. then just put that question to God. God, is there anything in my life that's hindering me from loving you fully and loving others as I ought? Lord, if, there, if there's anything like that in my life, just show me what that is. Why don't you ask him? Maybe something comes to mind. Maybe, maybe something was coming into your mind and your heart through the message. And, 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 and if, if there's something there, why don't you just say, God, God, help me. I, I, want, I surrender that thing to you. Um, or just take away any hindrance. Father God, we, we do love you because... You have loved us first. 
because you are love. And in your love for us, you sent your son to give us a new heart, to give us a new life, a better life, unending life. And Lord, we're just so grateful for all you've done for us. And um, we want to be love as you are love. As Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you also ought to love. And Lord, we can't do that without the help of your Holy Spirit, without the filling of your Holy Spirit. We can't do that in our, in, in our own strength. So, Lord, I just pray that you would help each one of us love you fully and love those around us. And Lord, if, if there's anything in our lives you've, you've kind of brought to our mind that, that is a hindrance in, in doing that, Lord, I just pray that you would give us the courage to try to, to, to root that out of our life, to give that over, to give that up, to pass instead of puff or whatever, Lord, so that we might live that productive life that you've freed us to live. Give us that life. In Jesus' name.